hey, welcome to the In Doubt Show. Happy Monday. Woo! Happy Monday, folks. Yeah. Yep. You, yeah. Monday. And you, and you, and you, and you. We see you. Thank and you. you. And you. Happy Monday, boys. How we doing? Good. Good, man. I'm feeling great. Don't Are you? I'm feeling really good. Today's a good day. My son good. learned how to ride the bike today with no training wheels. Today? That's today. What in this heck? moment, I got a text about 15 minutes ago. Oh, so you weren't part of that magical experience. You, I was a part of the training, absent, man. I was a part of the training. I was a part of the training. I was a part of the training. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, God bless him. Uh, four years old, riding a bike, no training wheels. That's Took awesome. me. I, I did that when Sick. I was about 19, so that's pretty good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <Are you serious? laughs> I'm totally that's joking, man. Sad, but no, but you're not. <laughs> fun fact, I remember... Uh, Riding my bike, no training wheels. I was super pumped. I was trying to wave at my mom, and she was on the phone, I think, and then I crashed into a parked car. Wow. Who absent parked that car absent mother. It's the <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Shout out, mother. I love you. She was on her phone, eh? I think we're going to be talking about that today. <laughs> it was actually... A... <laughs> we should. Today, we got a great show for you, but uh, you know what? It's Monday, and so we have a job to do today. So, Donnie, what is... You, you know... You... What we gotta do is we gotta make Mondays great again. That's a fantastic time of the week. My favorite day. That's what we need to do. Is Monday actually your favorite day, Absolutely. Donnie? Absolutely. Absolutely it is. But Brendan's favorite day of the week is Saturday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so uh, Saturday and a Monday for this guy over these guys over here. <laughs> um, it's like some split personality disorder. Okay. <laughs> but that's not funny. That, that's actually very serious. <laughs> I love how I can just go from laughing to immediately <laughs> Are you okay, man? Oh, Andrew's down. Andrew's down. He's done. <laughs> I'm going to come back up. I get down, I get up. Seven times 70. <clears throat> oh, man. All right. That was ridiculous. Um, we need to talk about church. Yesterday we were at church. How was church for you, Brendan? <laughs> it I was great. I hope you took notes with your I took dang offensive statements. Mental notes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Taking notes at church is overrated. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I got to do it more. Uh, no, we it was good. We talked about uh, it's missions month in February at our church. So we talked about the work we're doing. And, and why are you laughing? This is a very serious topic. <laughs> Starving children in Africa who need Jesus. Really? That makes you laugh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we can't we can't talk about anything serious. Okay, we, Are you okay? I'm okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Do not cut this out. This is gold. Uh why don't you just cut the camera to me and then just let let him recover? <laughs> He's gonna curl up in the fetal position right So away. uh yeah, we talked about uh the church we planted in India. It was really awesome. And then we we talked about Matthew twenty five, you know, what you did for the least of these, you did for me also. And it was yeah, it was a great sermon. Are you okay? Are you good? <laughs> He's literally crying. Uh, Chris, uh, I guess I'm the new host. Chris, yeah. uh, how was your how was your Sunday? Are we just? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you, you're, Brendan. You're gonna hear Brent or yeah, Andrew. Excuse just, me, I'm the host right now. Yeah, go Chris, ahead, Brendan, take Chris? it away. Yeah. Well, in our church, continuing on in this. Why are we at odds right John, now? Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, just run. <laughs> I feel a little tension right now. <laughs> well, at our church. Oh. <laughs> what did you learn at your church, Chris? I mean, I'm Brennan, sorry, Brennan asked you as a host. But. That's right. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, we're in John still. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. John 7. Okay, week. okay. Moving okay. on up. What did so, you guys learn in John 7? Well, it's interesting. It starts with, like, Jesus' brothers talking to him and kind of, like, almost making fun of him and goading him on, being like, Hey Jesus, there's a festival in Jerusalem 
this week. You should go there and, you know, do some work miracles. Your, work your work, miracles, yeah, exactly. bro. Get some followers that way. And uh, Jesus doesn't fall for it. He does end up going to Jerusalem anyways. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, that little aspect of, like, his brothers don't believe in him yet. Yeah. And they're kind of, like, poking at him. I hadn't really thought of before. The little details um, that you never think of. Yeah, right. It's pretty. It's pretty interesting. Even like, like, did they poke fun? Did they like pull pranks? Like, do you have any brothers? No, I have three sisters. Three sisters. Do you have brothers? Yeah, I've got okay. a brother. What was that? Yeah. Like, do you, I only have one sister, but I imagine like the boys kind of like. Oh yeah, just, always. Yeah, pulling pranks on each other. Yeah. So I wonder what it would yeah. be like for Jesus and his brothers. It's like little things that's yeah, funny right. to think of. Um. So for myself, we are in Second Corinthians, and uh, we had a guest speaker, though, and uh, so he didn't continue on in our series, but he took us back to First Corinthians again, uh, chapter 9, and he was talking about something uh, that I find just fascinating. Paul often uses language of um, that of just athletes running the race, uh, disciplining yourself, uh, just always connecting it to athletes and sports, and I mean, you look at the context of the church in Corinth, and there was a lot... Um, of people who love the Olympics, love sports and athletes. So he's talking specifically to this group of people who he knew this language would work for them. Uh, they would understand what he's trying to say. And so uh, the big takeaway for me in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, um, he's talking specifically about, it's not about us trying hard, it's about training hard. Hmm. Uh, he just talked about how many of you guys, and I ask you who are watching, uh, how many of you guys try so hard to be a better person? You try so hard to do good. You try so hard to respond. And uh, he was just saying, it's not about trying, it's about training, and got into the topic of spiritual disciplines, uh, talking about Sabbath, talking about silence and solitude, talking about you know resting and being in the Word and prayer, all these things that maybe we take for granted or we don't do as often. I mean, when I tell you spiritual disciplines, what do you think of immediately or what do you think of? And do you incorporate any of those things? I th- for me, Sabbath was one that I just kind of threw out the window. And that, you know. You tend to take it for granted yeah. sometimes almost, right? You think, yeah. oh, I'm going to church. That's a that, Sabbath. And then you get home. Counts. and But sometimes your Sundays don't look much different than the rest of your week. Yeah. So it's that that's a good one that I think has been very overlooked mm-hmm. in our modern age. And we've had people on before talking about it. And like, we've even had, I forget his name now, but he, they'll shut off all the lights. Like on the Sundays and no phones and just like candlelight. Yeah. Just to sort of, every once in a while at least, just to sort of remind them. Yeah. That's actually really cool. I know some people who take it like very, very seriously and, you know, they make the meals the day before. And so they're just not like, stressing or working super hard yeah. on the Sunday. I just go to McDonald's. Get them to get them <laughs> yeah. to get them to work for you. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah, I'm He's not I'm kidding. definitely not kidding. He's not kidding. No, no. Uh, but I feel like Sabbath and I talked about this. Um I was being interviewed for a radio program and they asked me about clinical burnout because I've gone through some of that and why a lot of pastors are just kind of dropping like flies. And they asked me why is this happening? And I think it's because Sabbath. You know, it's go, 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 go. And we think we're doing good work. All the work we're doing is good work. And someone told me once uh, at our old church, because they really, you know, try to make it so important for our pastors at our old church to rest well 
and to spend time with family, and your family is your ministry, and don't let the church take over your family. And so very healthy in that regard. But um, I remember someone saying, you know, if you're a pastor, when you break the fourth commandment, you get a promotion. And when you're not breaking the fourth commandment, they actually wonder if you're doing mm. a good job. Mm. And uh, I feel like that's what happens, you know, when you're breaking that and you're showing that, hey, look how busy I am, look how much yep. ministry I'm doing, look how good I'm doing, look how, again, try, 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 and you just crash. Yep. Yeah. And so that was a huge takeaway for me. It's not about trying, it's about training. And how do you train Sabbath, resting, in the Word, community at your church, serving, uh, all these different things, silence and solitude, which is a very hard one for me, not because I have two screaming children all the time in the house, but even when they go to bed, I just like to fill the silence with noise, like Netflix or music, or I just can't handle the silence. I don't know if you're like that. I'm really much like that. No, I actually, I like it. Okay. Um, you said rest well, and that really struck a chord with me because like, like it's easy to rest wrongly by mm. just like consuming media and just like, oh, I'm just resting. I'm just taking a day off, doing whatever I want. But like there's a way to rest well. Mm. And that's like being replenished kind of, yeah, yeah. you know, in the that's word of huge. God through prayer and other spiritual um, uh, disciplines like we were talking about. Um, I, I personally like silence. <clears throat> it's not like, I, I'm not like a, like constantly need to be like, mm -hmm. you know, um, what's the word? Um, my attention doesn't need to be constantly somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Like I love going out for drives with no music and just like rolling the windows down maybe, or even in. just not yet. Yeah, just, just taking it in. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I like. It's important. And I think if you're listening, ask yourself, you know, what do spiritual disciplines look like in your life? Comment below. Maybe you have a practice that you really love doing and it's been really helpful for you in your walk with God. But uh, I think it's something we need to take seriously. And uh, it's a perfect transition, spiritual disciplines, because we're going to talk about this book right here. And we actually have the author. Uh, he's going to be ready in a few moments on a Zoom call. But uh, his latest book is called The Wisdom Pyramid. Now, I don't usually like to judge a book by its cover, but I saw a pyramid and I am Egyptian. So I thought this is probably a good book. Yeah. Yeah. Makes and sense. Uh, I was right. But for other reasons, <laughs> it has nothing to do with Egypt. So that was a little bit of a disappointment. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but I also thought maybe it's a pyramid scheme. And I thought, you know what? I need some cash quick because inflation is terrible these yep. days. Yep. Yep. It's not that either. But it is oh. filled with really good stuff. I don't know if you can see, you know, mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm, do a little zoom in, huh? But uh, very fascinating. The Bible's at the bottom. You know, you guys remember the food pyramids? Yeah. yeah, yeah, you were all that kind of age. I don't know if you yeah. remember the food complete pyramid. Complete garbage. But yeah, complete garbage. I know because the bottom one is about like physical exercise. I'm like, okay, are you kidding me? Same with the food groups. I lost food. 50 pounds Whoa. solely on anxiety. That's awesome. That's Congrats, all you need, man. That's all. I didn't lift up Diet anything. Diet hacks with Andrew. I, <laughs> I didn't lift anything. Specifically, my spirit. Wow. It was terrible. But wow. I lost 50 pounds. Uh, and do I recommend it? Never. Be fat and happy. I'd rather be fat and happy. But uh, all jokes aside, uh, this book has been really, really helpful. I've been starting to read it, and he's going to dive in to uh, feeding your soul in a post-truth world. Uh, we're bombarded with so much information, and he talks about that, the danger of our, of our smartphones and just being glued to the news, all that kind of stuff. And so I think uh, Brett is ready. Brett McCracken is who we're interviewing today. And I think you're going to really enjoy it. I think it's going to be a lot of insight for us and a lot of wisdom for us. So let's jump on the call if he's ready for us and uh, let's take it all in. All right, we got Brett McCracken. Thank you so much for joining us today, man. How are you today? 
Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm doing well. How awesome. are you? I'm doing great, man. We were just talking earlier about how it's just sunny on both ends of our worlds. Tell us a little it bit is. about where you are, what you're up mm-hmm. to. I know you've been on the show a couple times over the last years. And so I thought, I wanted to say third time a charm, but that would make it sound like the other two were duds. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. But I'm just glad to have you again. But tell us a little bit about what you've been mm-hmm. doing uh, since the last time we talked to you. It's been a few yeah. years. Yeah, I can't actually remember the last time. So I don't know how far to go back in terms of filling in what I've been up to. But um, I guess the biggest thing that's new for us is we have a new baby. So we now have three children, my wife and I. um, We have a nine-month-old baby girl, Helen, who joins her two big brothers. So uh, we have a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a nine-month-old, which makes life quite... um, you know, just thrilling and wild and stressful and exhausting <laughs> all at the same yep. time. Yep. Um, so that's kind of the big thing. I'm still, I work for the Gospel Coalition. That's my full-time job, my day job. Um, and I'm an editor, senior editor for the Gospel Coalition. So I'm still doing that. And I'm an elder in a local church here in Southern California called Southlands Church. And um, aside from that, um, yeah, we're just enjoying, enjoying parenthood and, um, living in sunny Southern California where it's 70 degrees in February. Come on, bro. Except for your atmospheric river that just happened. But Except for the atmospheric. Yeah. And I, and I, are you guys Celsius in Canada? So 70 yes. degrees might yeah. be confusing. Yeah. I forget. I don't know what the conversion is, but it's nice. It's nice. Basically it's nice. nice. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing, man. Well, it's so good to connect with you again. Um, so you released, uh, a, a, this wasn't around when we last talked. I'll show it to everyone okay. here. It's called The Wisdom Pyramid. Now, sometimes I do judge books by their cover. I don't know if it's mm. because I'm Egyptian and I saw a pyramid. I'm like, this is a good book. It must be a good <laughs> book. But uh, And I also thought, could it be a pyramid scheme? Maybe. I don't know. But, <laughs> yes. uh, you know, if it is a get rich quick, I'm into it because inflation sucks. But <laughs> uh, tell it's... us a little bit about this because I started reading it. And I've been uh, very blessed with what I read so far. But if you could just kind of give us like uh, the premise, what you, uh, mm-hmm. you how it's kind of started and uh, what this mm-hmm. book means to you. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not a pyramid scheme. It's <laughs> Dang it. The pyramid <laughs> is a reference to the food pyramid. So those of us who are of a certain generation grew up on the food pyramid in terms of like guidance for a healthy diet and the the healthier food groups at the bottom of the food pyramid. And then at the top of the food pyramid was like fats, oils, and sweets, like the dessert category. So essentially the origin of this book was like maybe like 2017, I think. I I was giving a conference talk um, up in Portland, Oregon, and I was talking about, they asked me to speak about um, kind of the post-truth information environment that we live in and how do we find wisdom and and flourish as as christians in in a world where there's just so much falsehood and fake Mm -hmm. news and Mm -hmm. post-truth and so in the process of developing my talk for that um i it just popped into my head you know this concept of what if i adapted the food pyramid for our media habits and our intakes of information because I kept coming back to the the idea that so much of health in the information age depends on our diet of intakes and what mm. where we're looking, the sources we're looking to, and what's feeding our soul, so to speak. 
And so I thought, I wonder if we could, I could adapt the food pyramid. So that's essentially where it began. It, I, I had a graphic designer friend help me like draw up a, a graphic that was essentially like mapping um, categories of knowledge onto the old food pyramid idea uh, with the healthier sources at the bottom. And then mm. at the very top in the fats, oils and sweets category is where I put like the internet and social media. And um, so, yeah, that's where it began. And then a couple of years after that, the crossway, uh, the publisher agreed to put, turn it into a book. And so I wrote the book version and that came out in 2021, I believe. So it's been out for a couple of years, but amazing. Yeah, that's how it came about. Yeah, 2021. But I mean, honestly, it's becoming more and more and more relevant every mm -hmm. day. And I think even like you think of, you mentioned fake news or just people are bombarded with just anything but truth these days. And mm -hmm. um, that takes a toll. That takes a toll. And yeah. I feel like I've seen that a lot in the last couple of years, just what it's actually doing to us spiritually, mentally, emotionally, all those things. And so a very, very um, timely book. And so uh, walk us through, because I, I know I was reading through some of it and I thought it was very fascinating because even uh, you kind of go through two, um, you know, the source of our sickness and then yeah. the sources for our wisdom. Um, and I found it fascinating because, of course, you talked about the sources of our sickness of, is, you know, media mm -hmm. and news, all kind of all that kind of stuff, all this mm -hmm. stuff we're being bombarded with. But then at the same time, uh, one of the sources of wisdom is the Internet and social media. Which mm -hmm. is like, oh, that's interesting because, you know, mostly I think of it negatively. Yeah. Could you walk us through um, how it's a part of the sickness, but how it could also be a resource mm -hmm. for us for our, you know, mm -hmm. for our well-being and wisdom? Yeah, it's uh, a good question. You know, it's um, like so much in life, right? It's all about the proportions and kind of the whether you're engaging in something in moderation or in excess. So I would say the internet and social media as a technology is neutral to the extent that there can be good things on it or bad things. You can consume it and engage with it in healthy ways or in unhealthy ways. And so that's why the food pyramid uh, idea is helpful because so much about the food pyramid is about um, the, the proportions, right? How right. much of each food mm -hmm. group should you be consuming? And that's why even on the food pyramid, it's okay to have a little bit of dessert every now and then it's on the food pyramid. It can be part of your diet to have, mm -hmm. you know, candy bars and popcorn and brownies. Hallelujah. But, but if you make that the uh, foundation of your diet, if you put that food group at the base, then you would be sickly and you would probably die. And so the same is true with me putting the internet and social media on the, on the wisdom pyramid. It can be a source of, you know, occasional truth and insight. And, um, you know, if you use it in moderation, it can be a good thing, but too often, I think if we're honest, if we kind of, each of us drew up our own kind of wisdom pyramid in terms of our day-to-day -day lives, if we're honest, we would probably say, that the internet and our smartphones occupy the foundation, right? It's totally. it's where we like start our day by scrolling. It's where we end our day by scrolling all throughout the day. Any, any chance we get, we're like mindlessly wandering on the internet. And it's, it's the equivalent of like 
being at a buffet and just kind of going back and filling your plate with more junk food mm-hmm. all throughout the day. It's, it's not good for our health. And so we're just constantly snacking on Twitter and TikTok. And it's basically like going to the candy store and just like binging on really unhealthy stuff. So I can talk more about kind of healthy ways to use the internet and social media and, and how it can be a source of wisdom potentially. Um, but I, the, the key idea is just in its proper place in the right proportions of your diet. That's, you know, that's crucial. Yeah, it's huge. And I think we'll, we'll get to that. I think it'd be good to kind of end with, Hey, what are some healthy ways and kind of help our young listeners maybe set boundaries and kind of figure out how to maybe remove social media and their smartphones from the bottom. Cause I feel like you're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I see even in, in the picture, you know, the Bible's on the bottom and then church is right above it. And then on the top is obviously the iPhone, uh, but, uh, or a smartphone, but I feel like you're right. It's, you know, opposite. We flipped it. We flipped it. It's an upside down yeah. pyramid. And so before we talk about the health and the benefits of kind of creating healthy rhythms there, what are some of the dangers that maybe you've noticed with people mm-hmm. around you? And did you write this book maybe from your own experience in some degree, or if you want to kind of yeah. talk through that? Yeah, hundred percent. I wrote it from my own experience. You know, I'm, my job is I'm an editor of a website. So I spend a lot of time on the internet and social media because I have to. Mm-hmm. And I just started noticing, you know, when you have a job that requires you to be online all the time and very kind of aware of the social media conversation, I just started feeling my soul suffer and I felt anxious and I, I just felt depressed. And, you know, it, I talk about this in the book in the first couple chapters, but it's no surprise to me that like mental illness and anxiety and depression are skyrocketing across the world. This is a global trend, you know, mental unhealth mm-hmm. is, is a major problem. And it just so happens to coincide with the smartphone being released, you know, about 15 years ago, that's when like all of these, like, un, like anxiety started spiking and depression and, is it because we're getting and all these things? Is it because we're getting too much information? Like the brain just yeah. can't take it? So in the book, the first half of the book you already mentioned is called Sources of Our Sickness. And I that's kind of the depressing part of the book where I lay out kind of the sobering reality of what digital technology and the information age that we live in is doing to our souls and to our ability to discern truth. Um, and one, so the three sources of our sickness that I talk about are too much information, kind of information gluttony, just like eating too much food makes you sick, being bombarded with too much information, you know, our brains literally don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Our, our, there's science that's actually showing, interestingly, that in the digital age, when our brains are encountering an unprecedented amount of information, humans throughout human history have never had to process as much stimulation as they are now. And research is showing that because our brains are like in this constant triage mode where it's like so much information coming out our brains that it's all, all we can do to just kind of quickly sort like, okay, is this cat video on TikTok important? Do I need to file that in the important category? Is this headline tweet about 
you know, Putin and Russia and Ukraine? Is that on the same level as the cat video? Like, you know, our brains are encountering this steady stream of disconnected information that's mm -hmm. not part of any cohesive web of, of narratives. And so our brains are expending all this energy on triage that there's nothing left for like deeper level assessment, critical thinking, kind of evaluation of information. So anyway, the long and the short of it is if you are observing that people in the digital age don't aren't good thinkers, like we don't, we've lost the ability to be critical thinkers. There's actually a science showing that that's the case. Like everything is just triage. Everything is surface level kind of information processing. And so we're, our brains are being rewired so that we, we're not, we're not even capable of critical thinking anymore, which is super alarming, right? <laughs> when wow, we're talking about crazy. wisdom and the importance of wisdom, we kind of need to have the ability to think carefully and slowly and critically, but in a, in a world of too much information, information gluttony, it's hard to do that because we're just, all, it, we're just trying to survive the onslaught um, minute by minute of, of media and information. So sorry, that was a lot on just the first source of our sickness, which is too much information. Um, the second source of our sickness is too fast. So not only there's too much information, but it's the speed of information in the information age goes by so rapidly that we don't take the time to like kind of think carefully and slow down and maybe like vet information. And this is why things like fake news can go viral and conspiracy theories can be spread around the internet because no one is going slow enough to pause and, and ask questions about like, what's the source of this information? Is this a legit, you know, source or is this, is this some sort of like propaganda? So both the, the speed of how fast information is produced and disseminated and also our own speed in terms of we consume things so rapidly and we move from one thing to the next so fast that we never let any of any of it um percolate long enough to kind of turn into wisdom right to use the food metaphor like if you're eating food so fast it's it's just kind of going to come in and out without actually absorbing into nutrients in your system and the same is true with information and knowledge if you're just kind of glutting yourself super fast constantly you, you're you're never going to be able to kind of turn that into nutrition for your wisdom. So the, the glut and the speed of information are making us sick. And then the third source of our sickness that I talk about is um, that information is too oriented around the self, the individual. So this, I get into like the algorithms and how the very structure of the smartphone and the internet is around tailoring everything to you, right? And we all know that this is true. Like your social media feeds over time basically become echo chambers where you're fed more of what you already like and more of what you already agree with. And that's not healthy, right? That's It's not healthy in food to only eat the things that you like. Like if you only ate your favorite food and that was the only food you ever ate, you would probably die, right? Like you have to go outside of your 
favorite genre of food to have a balanced, healthy diet. And the same is true of information. If we're only ever in these kind of narrow, like windows of reality where everything that is fed to us is just exactly what we want to see and what we want to hear, then they're it's just going to feed our bias more and more. And we're going to be more and more delusional about the complexity of the world because everything we're seeing in our social media feeds, everything Google is is showing in the search results is just kind of what we want to find and what we want to see. So the orientation of information that just kind of amplifies our existing human tendency to kind of look within ourselves for wisdom and trust our gut, um, which I think because of the fall, we're just, we tend to do that. We don't, Mm -hmm. we want to believe that we are the best source of wisdom, that we know better than God or other people around us. And that's just false, right? That the Bible is clear on that. Like, do not lean on your own understanding, Proverbs three, like, but trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know, do not be wise in your own eyes, uh, but in all all your ways acknowledge Him. And so, I just think the that biblical reality that it's not good to, to just trust your gut and follow your heart and like do what is right in your own eyes. That is harder than ever in the digital age because everything about the internet and your smartphone tells you that you should listen to your gut and your consumer tastes and preferences reign supreme and Mm -hmm. you know they just want to feed you more of what you have demonstrated a proclivity towards which often isn't good right Mm -hmm. like it's kind of it's a little bit disturbing when you notice the ads that are starting to show up on your facebook that always creeps me out man well and, and it's like it's convicting because it's like oh like they know that i watched that video that I yeah, or said something watched. or even said something it's like oh you know or i tell something. my wife it's like oh yeah we should get like uh watch a movie and have some twizzlers two seconds later on my facebook twizzler ads yeah. i'm like are you kidding me yeah like it's how super, does that it's super happen creepy but it should be a wake-up call i think that this is not healthy for us like yeah. we're, we're not at our best when we're just kind of fed more yeah. of what our sinful nature is like wanting to click on um, that's not good for us. So anyway, I'll stop there. That was no, that's long, huge. No, that, that's that's huge. kind of a quick summary of the problem that I see yeah. in the digital age. And I mean, I see it and, and I'm starting to connect some dots for me. So last year I had uh, clinical burnout is what the mm-hmm. doctor diagnosed. And so it was mm-hmm. nine months of like depression, panic attacks, anxiety, can't breathe, can't sleep, lost 50 pounds, wow. just like terrible fetal position weeping. It was like the darkest moment I've ever faced. And it was really hard for our family, but mm-hmm. you kind of connect the dots of kind of what you're talking about, the sober reality of too much information too quickly and mm-hmm. everything wrapped around ourselves, you know, right. and I'm not saying that was the issue, but I can see looking back, oh, there was a big part of... Probably made it worse. It made it worse. And I don't think, you know, Mm -hmm. the pandemic helped when we're just information overload. We're glued to our phones and some of the news might not be the most accurate news, but we just take it all in as fast as we can. We're not even thinking about it. And, um, you know, I read a book by John Eldridge called Resilient. And he just talks about, you know, if you've been through the last two years of the pandemic and you think you were untouched, you're delusional. 
And so I think as you're saying, the sobering reality of Mm -hmm. way too much information, way too quickly, uh, it is Mm -hmm. having a negative effect on a lot of people. And I guess I experienced it firsthand. Mm -hmm. So it's very sobering. Mm -hmm. It's very alarming. It's not a wake up call for some people. Some people are like, oh, sweet, a Twizzler ad on my Facebook. I'm actually going to go to the store right now and get some Twizzlers. Right. Uh, just a side note, this episode is not sponsored by Twizzler. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, are, you mentioned our brains have been kind of rewired with being in mm-hmm. this environment for a long period of time. And now we're seeing anxiety and panic attacks, depression, all that kind of side, suicide. A lot of stuff is kind of skyrocketing. Yeah. How do we rewire again? Can we rewire again? Is that mm-hmm. the good news in the second half of your book? That is the good news. Yeah, Praise that, the Lord, because that first yeah. chunk is terrible. It's a terrible reality. Yeah, and I think it's it's kind of a simple dynamic here at play. Like we are, we're formed by habits. And when our habits are revolving around this kind of information overload, this fast, speedy information that's oriented around me, that's that those habits are going to lead us in an unhealthy, foolish direction. But the flip side is also true. If we reevaluate our habits and form better habits, more nutritious, you know, nourishing habits, then that's going to lead us back in the path of wisdom and health and flourishing. So, so that's what I get into in the second half of the book, which is essentially like going through each kind of category of the wisdom pyramid and making the case that we should be kind of rethinking our day-to-day habits of where, what we're drawing from in terms mm-hmm. of intake, what is feeding our soul and starting at the bottom with the Bible as our like daily bread as kind of the most nutritious, the most nourishing possible uh, resource that we have um, that too often we, we relegate to kind of, you know, an optional snack every now and then, but it really should be the staple of our, our yes. diet for our wisdom. And then I, I go into the church and nature and, you know, beauty and books and all, all those other things, which I'm happy to talk about if you want. But, um, but yeah, the, the concept is pretty simple. You mm-hmm. know, if you want to be healthier and more, more wise in the digital age, you just need to spend less time drawing from these potentially toxic, potentially unhealthy for you sources and more time drawing from the tried and true kind of, you know, sources that have have been nourishment for generations of people, right? Like the Bible has been the source of hope and wisdom and stability and, you know, everything for 2000 years, you know, it's been like, you can trust that it's going to be a good thing for you, right? (laughs) Just like you can trust that eating more broccoli in your diet is going to be good for you, right? It's not going to be bad for you. Um, Now, I don't want to compare the Bible to broccoli because I think it's better than broccoli, but... Oh, significantly, significantly significantly better than broccoli, but sometimes I will say sometimes when you hear from your pastor or your parents, like you should read the Bible more, like it does sound a little bit like eat your broccoli. You know? Yes. Like we know that it's good for us. We know that it's something we should be doing, but sometimes it comes across like, you know, yeah, finger whack, yeah. like eat your broccoli. 
Yeah. Um, but it's it's so much better than that. Which makes know. us not want to eat our broccoli sometimes. That's true. So right. uh, it's it's interesting because you you talk about you know we can rewire and you say it's very it's a simple concept and you're right it is but at the same time it is so hard to change your routine when your brain has been wired mm-hmm. for so long to just wake up in the morning and mm-hmm. instantly check your email or scroll yeah. what's going on in the world and then insert anxiety and panic because guess what the world is in pretty rough shape in a lot of places yeah. so i wonder i guess you know with prayer the bible church there's a lot of stuff that you would people we would call spiritual disciplines yeah. And I think that's important. Um, and a lot of it is the opposite of fast, tons of information about yourself. Mm-hmm. Spiritual disciplines are literally the opposite. Silence yeah. and solitude, slow, yeah. praying, you know, not about yourself actually yeah. at all. And so um, what kind of wisdom would you give to the young person who's listening right now mm-hmm. who is just glued to their phone Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some practical, like I'm looking at the video guy right now behind the camera and he's just glued to his phone and he's laughing right I now believe it. because I he's believe just it. like crap busted, but you know what? Mm-hmm. Called him out. <laughs> Straight, <laughs> you can hear him laughing. <laughs> that is yeah. Brendan. And so what, what could I tell Brendan right now? <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> well what could I tell uh, the Brendan, let's call him. The Brendans of the world. <laughs> the Brendans of the world. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just kidding, which is man. everyone, which is everyone. No, honestly, so it's not just Brendan. Yeah. Um, but uh, but what do you? Because we are a generation that is just glued. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it's yeah. stuck on my hand. Yeah. Um, what could we do? What are yeah. some practical things for us to yeah. help us with the process of you know removing yes. and starting to rewire? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the first thing I would say is just like we're all like struggling with this. Like I struggle with being glued to my phone as well, and. The reason why it's so hard is because these companies, right, are they make profit to the extent that people are glued to the device, right? The more time eyeballs are scrolling, that has a direct correlation with the amount of money that they make. Mm. And so they they have every incentive to design these technologies to be addictive. And they do, right? It's if you if you watch that documentary, um, is it was the social dilemma? I think it was called. Um, yeah, like Eric something, or I can't remember, but Snow, Snow, there, Eric Snowman or something. The social dilemma is that right? I might be thinking of something totally different, but I don't know. I'm thinking of a Netflix documentary that yeah, came yeah. out a few years ago, but it kind of gets into this. But mm-hmm. like Facebook, you know, Google, like these companies, they actually like consult with behavioral psychologists and and how they de- design these things. And they intentionally designed them to play into like the psychology of addiction. So it's kind of disturbing. The reality is these technologies are meant to be things that we cannot live without, that we literally can't go an hour without pulling out our phone and scrolling at it and checking our notifications, let alone five minutes. You know, many people can't go five minutes without pulling their phone out of their pocket and um it's crazy so, man. so i would just start there by by saying you don't don't heap guilt upon yourself because mm-hmm. you struggle with this because we all struggle with it and this the 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 deck is stacked against us because these technologies are designed to be addictive so 
Having said that, I think that my recommendation is start small with like changing habits. So you're not going to be able to go from glued to my phone to not looking at my phone at all overnight. I had a friend do that. I had a friend do that. He went to like a, yeah, it was an actual, so he's like a Mm -hmm. huge producer in Nashville and uh, him and his brother went to this like retreat and it was like a specific Uh retreat to detox from social media and smartphones and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So he goes to this retreat that you have to leave your phone at the door and you're there Mm -hmm. for a week. And he said he was like sweating and like, Mm -hmm. it was like, he's addicted yeah, and he realized how addicted he was when he went to this because it was like ten minutes in, and he's like, "Oh my yeah. goodness, I I need yeah, my phone." Right? Yeah, you you have like withdrawal, you know? Yeah, just like totally, with like totally. Alcohol or other addictions, which is crazy. So yeah, so you could go to that drastic measure, like if you if you want to just like put your phone in a box and lock the key, like by all means, give that a try. But but I think it's it's healthier for us to be able to have our phone in our pocket. Mm-hmm and exercise yeah. the restraint I agree. and yeah. not, not pulling it out of our, so it's almost easier to like lock your phone in a vault where it's not even an option. It's harder to have your phone within arm's reach and actually make the conscious decision to not pull out your phone every five minutes to look at it. So one, one thing that I often recommend as a place to start, because it's something that I did a couple of years ago when I was writing the book, my my wonderful wife was kind of like, she was challenging me. Like you need to like practice what you're preaching in this uh, book. So you I need love to our like, wives, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sheesh. Kira is her name and she's my rock in terms of like mm. making sure that I'm practicing what I'm preaching in my books. But she basically said like, what habits are you changing right now in your life that are demonstrating what you're writing about in the wisdom pyramid? So I was like point taken and I'm going to, I'm going to try something. So what I tried is um, at that point in my life, I was like many of us, I was, my phone was my alarm clock. So it was right, you know, by my bed. And I looked at it right before I went to sleep. And then right when I woke up, I look at it and start scrolling. What did I miss? What, what headlines happened overnight? What are the, what's the Twitter buzz, et cetera. And so the habit that I instituted was essentially, I'm not going to look at my phone for the first hour of every day. I'm not going to look at my computer. I'm not going to do anything with technology for the first hour of every day. And it is super hard to do that. I'm not going to lie. It's, you know, everything in, in you wants to like get started with your day and start checking email and be productive. But it has been such a game changer honestly, in terms of of giving me space at the beginning of my day to do things like um, read my Bible, have a meaningful, like quiet time where I'm distraction free. Um, And it's not every day that I actually am able to do this. I have three kids, like I mentioned. (laughs) So sometimes that first hour of my day is just making breakfast and getting the kids dressed. I, I don't have time to read my Bible, but on on the best days, I have like the ability to like start my day, not by looking at Twitter and not by letting my smartphone kind of set the tone for my day, but like sitting in my chair and looking out the window at my backyard and just being still and praying and reading a Psalm or something. And it's been so life-giving. Like I cannot tell you what 
how much changed in my temperament. Like I, f- I feel like I became less anxious. I became less, I don't know, just my days were better when I didn't start by looking at my smartphone. So I would, ch- I would challenge people who are listening to this. It doesn't have to be the first hour of your day. It could be the first half hour. Um, but try to do something like that where you have, you have some sort of protected time when you wake up that isn't glued to your phone right out of the gate of your day. Because if you think about it, like if, if our days are just starting with what the algorithm wants to show us, it means we've lost control of our lives. It means we have basically ceded our lives to the algorithms. Like Hmm. you tell me what should be on my mind, you know, Facebook, Google, like you tell me what my, my mind and my soul should be oriented, oriented around as I begin my, you know, my, my Wednesday. And that's just not healthy, right? Like it's so much better to orient yourself at the beginning of a day around the things of God and his presence and his purpose. So, um, that's, that's the big habit that I would challenge people to, to, if they walk away with any idea from this, I would, I would challenge them to do that. That's really good. I think that's huge. I also started doing that towards the end of the night as well. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't started the morning, which I think I really yeah. should, but if you could allocate time in the morning yeah. and then no screen time at night, yeah, I feel like I That's know even better. I know mm-hmm. that I am restless and I struggle to sleep, and I'm sure it's connected to mm-hmm. you know your glue to your screen right before bed. And one easy thing to do is just don't have your phone be your alarm clock. Your alarm clock. Totally. That way you can plug in your phone in another room. Yeah that isn't your bedroom. And that, that solves both the morning and the evening, because then it means yep. you're climbing into bed and you have to do something else aside from yep. looking at your phone. Like I have a book on my bed, my bedside table. And so typically like the last few minutes of my waking day, I just read a few pages in a book and it puts me to sleep sometimes. So <laughs> rather than looking at Twitter, which often makes you anxious and, yeah. you know, you don't really want to go to bed thinking about some atrocity, some like mass shooting that happened, you know, in the totally. last hour. So, yeah, totally. No, that's huge. And I, and I hope our listeners take that to heart. I feel like it's so easy to know that that would be helpful. Yeah, and I know if I had it. my phone in a different room charging, I know that would be better for me, mm-hmm. but I just don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. But I know what's going to be at my bedside table. And it should there be you at go. yours as well, uh, except mm-hmm. it won't put you to sleep. That's really good. But uh, <laughs> Brett, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate all your wisdom and uh, thank you for this book. I think it's going to be so helpful to all those who read it. Thank you for your time and uh, we'll hopefully chat again soon. Cool. Thank you so much. Awesome. All right. That was a fantastic uh, interview, man. That was really convicting for me, actually, you know, just hearing some of the the dangers and how I'm in the midst of it, to be honest. And I need to really reevaluate some of my rhythms in my life. Brendan, what did you think? Brendan. I know his mic's on. Brendan. Oh, he's on his smartphone. Brendan. Earth to Brendan. Hello. Name that movie. Are we? Oh, yeah. We're we, on, we man. Go? We're on. Smartphones. 
Unbelievable. Brendan, what, did you hear anything on the I was doing very important. I was texting my mom. Uh, <laughs> shout out. <laughs> uh, what's the question? <laughs> did you have any takeaways about the importance of putting down our smartphones? Oh, no, no. I'm pretty good with that. <laughs> what? It's important. And what? he's just, you know what? Chris, li- Chris, did you get any takeaways? <laughs> I know that you're a level-headed you guy. Know, it's interesting as he was talking. He didn't really say a whole lot of anything new. Right. But it's interesting how often it seems like we have to keep bringing this up. I was thinking back on it, and I think this might be one of the most touched on topics in the last five years on In Doubt. Okay, yeah. Like, he's not the first person. Yeah, for sure. And probably won't be the last. And it makes you wonder, like, where's the other side of it? Yeah. Like, are we just going to keep on talking about this for the next... 10 years? I mean, yes. it kind of looks that way. Yes. Like, I don't, we keep talking about how dangerous this is, which I agree. But then, do we see any actual change? So, what do we do? So, if you're watching this right now on your smartphone, throw your smartphone yeah. out the window. Throw it out. Stop watching this. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Seriously, wait, though, you're wait, right. Andrew, are we part of the problem? <laughs> We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor, (laughs) smartphones. Just all of smartphones. Okay, so this is is true, though. We're talking about this a lot, and it seems like we're not overcoming the addiction. Yeah. So we need to actually take some steps to overcome. Like I mentioned my friend in that uh, interview who, like, literally went to this retreat where he left his phone for a whole week, and it was, like, the hardest thing ever, but it kind of rewired his brain cold turkey and so yes we could maybe it's because a lot of us are trying the slow approach which i understand brett mentioned that that you know yeah easy does it something we said with that too because it's yeah it's easy when it's locked away but if it's like you said within arm's reach then it's it's still there but he was saying it like like you said it takes training but but are we ready to yeah you know maybe there needs to be like a yeah an actual you know, we just cut it off. See what works for you. You know, Jesus and talks about if your arm causes you to stumble, cut it off. If your eye causes you to gouge it out. It's like, you got to be really radical with things. And addiction yeah. is a big deal. And yeah. it's taking your time. And it's also causing struggles mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all those things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. time time is a huge one. Time's yeah. a huge one. And so it's yeah. like, we just got to actually take it seriously and cut it off. And I don't know what that means for you. Maybe it's putting... You know, those time limits yeah. on certain things, but there's there's ways around a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Actually, one actually former In Doubt host, Isaac Dagno, shared with me once. I always thought it was Dagnus. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Isaac, I love you if you're watching. And Huge I, Isaac. Fan. Isaac Dagnus. <laughs> and it was probably in relation to one of these former episodes about this, but he talked about how if you change your smartphone to like grayscale, so mm. it's all black and white. Whoa. It makes it harder to look at. Like you, you don't want to pick it up. Yeah, I tried it for like a day, and I, I couldn't even. I'm not. The new iOS has that. Yeah, like you you can change the the color on it. It's new, but so that's sort of like a could be helpful. Um, Yeah, interesting. My wife wanted to just completely disassociate herself with smartphones, and so we went to a local, you know, store that sells phones, and and we just said, hey, we want a dumb phone. And the guy was like, excuse me? I'm like, give me the dumbest phone you have. 
And it was actually still kind of smart. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. it still had like internet and different things. Like, okay, no, is there anything dumber? So we had to get one online. And it was like the dumbest phone you wow. can find. No internet, no nothing. Flip phone, oh, T9 text. Dude, yes. there's actually a market for this. You can get a yep. phone that just allows texting and calls mm -hmm. and like nothing else. Yep. So there's a market for a reason, I guess. And it's a new phone. Oh, <laughs> they yeah. Come okay. up, look yeah. at this fancy yeah. thing to. And it's quite expensive, actually. It kind of sucks, but it's like I almost bought it. I was like, I was like, oh man, this is cool. Because texting is huge. I don't want to text T nine and only have like twenty seven characters. Like I'll text Michelle, yeah. hey, what's going on? Tell me this, tell me that. Like, give me the whole scoop. And her response is, K. <laughs> Dude, that's Ben. That's, that's <laughs> <Yeah>. our boss. <laughs> and he has he has an iPhone uh, fourteen. So yeah. uh, that means he just doesn't like you. Um. But Wait, is it just me? Yeah, he oh, he sends it. me books, man. I, I'm on chapter okay, four of how he feels about me. Um, <laughs> but that's really funny. It's a serious problem, and maybe we just haven't been getting to the root. We need yeah. to get to the root, yeah, and yeah. maybe that means cutting something out or making a drastic change. My wife made a drastic change, yep. and that actually changed her life. Mm. And yeah. um, so I encourage you. Maybe that's something you need to do. I don't know. Um, so a lot of things you gotta like replace the the need in your heart like if you're like you seek like attention or love and affection like something like pornography is like really easy to fill that and you need to replace that with something and that's a very important step with a phone it's like i feel like most people will get the replacement naturally but mm -hmm. like if you're hanging out with someone and you're on your phone if you put the phone down and talk to them like that's not yeah, it's not like a complex. There's your replacement. Yeah. Like yeah. it's not as like deep as people think. It's just significantly like easier because yeah. it's, there's so many other uses for it. It's easy to answer a work email and then switch to uh, like switch to Instagram mm -hmm. and then just like or TikTok or whatever and like be on that for hours. It's just almost like, like you're finding your replacements within it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which weird. is interesting. Yeah, but I guess you're saying you don't have to look hard. Yeah, you don't you, have to look far. Yeah, at the yeah. same time, like you have to want change. Yeah. Uh, for that and you can get yourself to that easier than i think most people realize yeah but have you done any practices chris that you found very helpful for you and well, your family yeah actually the one that brett mentioned about not being on my phone the first hour of the day and mm. being in the word and reading mm -hmm. uh i found that to be super helpful that's why you never answer my text in the morning. No, yeah. <laughs> I, and I why are you on the phone first thing in the morning? I'm not. I just wake up earlier. <laughs> my hour starts at okay. 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. That's amazing. That's a lie. But I find myself glued to my phone first thing in the morning. And then like how, how we mentioned, like you're starting your day where your smartphone's telling you yeah. what should be important. And not only you. that, but you're like I would read the news first thing mm -hmm. and then you're getting bombarded with all of that extra information that we really weren't designed to take in that much and to have to like you said like sort of triage it and yeah. process what's important what's not important yeah yeah like and then when you do take it in you don't have the the right you're not in the right frame of mind to take it in because yep. you haven't started with yes. like yeah. orienting yourself yeah. if you start your day like you can read the news and if you start your day with prayer and 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 reading mm -hmm. and like be in a good state of mind to yeah. approach anything in your day that inc that might include news i love this window by the way i love like touching <laughs> it's just because you want to be separate from me <clears throat> maybe uh, <laughs> just kidding um but yeah yeah being in the right frame of mind and like that helps taking oh, yeah. an hour to start your day it's like this is how i'm yeah yeah it, it really does help you especially if it's every day it helps you more than you realize the first yeah. day you might not feel anything but yeah. yeah yep yeah and then also time take time 
you know it's it's just yeah. the consistency of doing it so that's literally I hope you what were, i just said i know <laughs> But I just said it better because he's a little bit... Uh, <laughs> I just drag it on and it's just say time. So what was the point, man? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I hope you were encouraged today. I really was. I was encouraged. I was convicted. And I do want to make some changes. And I hope and pray that you do as well. We need to get into healthy rhythms so that we could actually stop talking about this. And we can start talking about something else. Because we keep talking about this because we don't see change. Yep. And so we maybe got to you know make some drastic changes in your life. And I promise it'll be to your benefit and uh, for his glory. So yeah. get into healthy rhythms. When in doubt, figure it out. How? Google it. Use no, your phone. No, no, oh. no. Are you kidding? Wow. Wow. Sorry. Get into the word, healthy rhythms, spiritual disciplines. Don't try so hard. Train. See you next Monday.